Hi, welcome to Straight Arrows. I'm your host, Pastor Woody Witt at Memorial Baptist Church in Maysville, North Carolina. And I'd like to welcome you to Straight Arrows. Uh, today is uh, the third episode in our series, Know Your Enemy and Walk in Victory. And today's episode specifically is entitled, What Authority Does the Enemy have now. And we have, uh, in our first um, episode, we talked about the origin of Satan. Um, then in the second episode, we talked about the historic fall of the human race into sin as a result of Satan. Uh, and today we're, we're talking about what authority does the enemy have now? And this is very important. I'm glad you've tuned in today. And remember, I have notes. If you want to follow along with notes in this study or do additional study, uh, the notes are available. Contact me and I will make sure you get a copy of these notes. Um, so let us begin today. What authority does the enemy have now? Our Lord Jesus uh, Christ described Satan as the prince of this world. He he used that term for him in John 12, 31, John 14, 30, and in John 16, 11. So three times the Lord Jesus calls the, the enemy of our soul uh, a prince, that is archon, the prince of this world. And so that means that Satan exercises temporary authority over the world. And remember how he got that authority was when Adam sinned in the garden and the world turned upside down uh, at that time. Ephesians chapter two, verse two says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice the terminology there, very precise. Prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's Ephesians chapter two, verse two. Currently, Satan lives in the air, or more precisely, the atmospheric heavens surrounding the terrestrial earth. He still has access into heaven, according to Job chapter one, verse six, and Job chapter two, verse one, where he accuses the brethren before the throne of God, Revelation 12, 10, uh, and the nation of Israel, Zechariah chapter three, verse one. He also has access to the earth where he's able to set up headquarters or thrones in various locations. And this is according to Revelation chapter two, verse 13. Upon the earth, Satan takes two predominant forms. The first is that of a roaring lion. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. As a roaring lion, he seeks to kill or destroy God's people. Old Testament history is a detailed account of various satanic strategies to destroy God's covenant people. This focus is continued in the New Testament down to the present time. Secondly, he takes the form of an angel of light. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. It says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. As an angel of light, he sends false prophets and false teachers into the world with a false gospel to deceive unbelievers and carnal Christians because he can produce anything spiritually genuine 
um, he provides a counterfeit alternative gospel. And again, I, I think I misstated that because he he cannot produce anything spiritually genuine. He provides a counterfeit alternative gospel. That's why there are many um, false, there's so much false teaching in the world today. All the false teaching uh, goes back to his deception. Satan is also the leader of a vast horde of fallen angels, commonly referred to as demons. Uh, many Bible translations mistranslate demons as devils because he's not omnipresent and all-powerful as God. He works in the world through his faithful followers. Uh, in the, the following text, the Lord Jesus reveals a great deal about the current activity of the demons. Luke, and I'm reading from Luke chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. This is a very important text. Here's what Jesus says, okay? When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. He saith, I will return into my house once I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now, from this text, we 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 can we can um, understand some facts about demons. Number one, demons can exist outside or inside human bodies, but they prefer to dwell in human bodies or in animals. Um, they travel at will as unclean spirits. They can travel through walls, inner homes, and even church sanctuaries. Uh, they're able to communicate. The text reveals they can speak with each other. And Matthew 8, 28 to 34 reveals they can speak to humans through the use of their host's human vocal cords. So that's how they, they can speak uh, into the world through their host that they're in. Uh, each one has a separate identity. Uh, demons are not impersonal spirits. They are spiritual beings with personalities. Uh, they can think and make plans. In the text, Luke 11, 24 to 26, the demons were able to formulate a plan of action by a process of evaluation and decision-making. Uh, they, are, they are able to combine forces with other demons. As we saw earlier, the demons are arranged in hierarchies, which means they vary in power and in wickedness. And all of this is from Luke chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. Now, what are demons capable of? What are demons capable of doing to human beings? Please consult your Bible on this, okay? Uh, I'm going to give you the, the, the biblical text, but you look it up because this is we, we as Christians need to understand this. Demons can cause blindness, Matthew 12:22. Demons can cause deafness, Mark 9:25. Demons can cause suicidal thoughts, Mark 9:22. Demons can cause immorality, um, Matthew 10, 1, Mark 1, 23 to 26, Luke 4, 36, Acts chapter 5, 16, Revelation 16, 30, 13. Uh, demons can cause immorality. Demons can cause epilepsy, Matthew 17, 15 to 18. De demons can cause personal injuries, Mark chapter 9, verse 18. Demons can cause insanity. Matthew 8, 28, 17, 15, Mark 5, 15, Luke 8, 
27 through 29. Now, at this point, it's important for me to state this important truth. All illnesses, diseases, etc., are not caused by demons. The Word of God makes clear it is absolutely wrong to assume that all of human mental or physical problems are caused by demons. We should never assume that a person's mental or physical problems are caused by demons. Note the following text. Now, I want you to please um, listen to this. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. And Jesus went out about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went, went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. Um, so let's break this down a little bit. Sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. This statement speaks of people with natural illnesses of various kinds. And then those who were possessed with, with devils. Uh, this statement speaks to those with mental or physical ailments are the work of demons. And those which were lunatic, this statement speaks to those who have epilepsy not resulting not resulting from human uh, from demonic influence, um, and those that had the palsy. Palsy is another name for paralysis. It is used in the Gospels to define any number of physical disabilities stemming from brain injuries or injury of the spinal cord or nervous system. And he healed them. The wonderful truth is that Christ can heal any sickness, demonic or otherwise. Um, and see also Matthew 10, verse 1. Now, this opens up the question of demonic possession. In our discussions with other brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be clear about what the Word of God teaches about this subject. The best way to be equipped to do that is to look at the way this term is applied in Scripture. Um, the following texts are an adequate sample. Matthew 4, 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought on him all sick people, that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic, those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Um, so there's a there, there's a differentiation there between those who had um, illnesses and those that were possessed with devils. That's demons. Uh, Matthew chapter nine verse thirty two. And as they went out, behold, they brought unto him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And they and Mark five fifteen, and they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. So these are three texts here: Matthew four twenty four, Matthew nine thirty two, Mark five fifteen, uh, where it uses the term possessed. The word here is a demonizomai, which means to be demonized. That is under the influence of one or more demons. When we speak of someone being possessed by a demon, it conjures up an unbeliever being permanently indwelt 100% by a demon. This is not, however, the restrictive sense in which it is used in the scripture. Even the man in Mark 5, 1 to 20 had some of his faculties. The point is that when we are, that what we are seeing in the scriptures are people who are demonized, controlled to some extent by demons, not necessarily 
permanently indwelt, which leads to the question that, that we need to be clear about. Can a Christian be demonized? This, the answer is simply not in the same way as an unbeliever, but the effects in the person's life and family can be equally as devastating experienced from a personal perspective. Many Christians have been led to believe that demon possession means that a demon can permanently indwell an unbeliever, but cannot permanently indwell a child of God. If the word possession meant permanently indwelt, this would be the case. But as it has been shown, it doesn't mean this. It simply means demonized under some level of control. Now, let's walk through this theologically for the sake of clarity. When a person puts their faith in Christ, they're born again by the Holy Spirit. Their, their spirit is regenerated. The Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence in the spirit of the person. A demonic spirit would not be able to penetrate or take up residence in the spirit of a saved person. However, the person's soul would still offer a foothold to the enemy's spirits. If this were not true, then all the scripture that teaches us to protect ourselves from the enemy would be meaningless. It is in the mind that the battles take place before they are lost in the worlds, in the words, activities, personal relationships of the Christian. We're going to talk about this more later. So let's be clear. Can a person be possessed, pers permanently indwelt? Absolutely not. Can a Christian be abused, assaulted, manipulated by demons in ways that are recorded in the pages of Scripture? The answer there is yes. However, we are never told in Scriptures to be afraid of demons. On the contrary, the more we know about them, we can walk in victory. This means that we need to learn how to follow the Lord Jesus and exercise uh, the same authority that he exercised. Remember, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I would ask you to go through the scriptures again on this carefully, but understand that the, the enemy of our souls and his hordes of demons have a lot of authority in this world. Okay, This is a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. Demons uh, can do a lot to people, and that is why Christians need to be aware of what a demon can do and the fact that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the authority um, to, to uh, deal with the spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. And uh, next time we will talk about uh, the public ministry and triumph of Christ uh, over uh, the devil and his uh, horde of demons. And uh, we'll look at that carefully. And that will be a stepping stone into how you and I can walk in victory when we learn how the Lord Jesus uh, dealt with uh, the enemy's strategies and his devices in this world. Brothers and sisters, we've got nothing to be afraid of. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. And he's given us the means to experience victory in this world. Uh, but we should not ever underestimate what the enemy is capable of. We, uh, we don't need to do that. We need to walk in victory by doing those things which God has commanded us to do. Uh, let us pray today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask that you would give us greater understanding. 
Help us to be humble in our approach to, to your word, O oh God. Uh, we pray that in all things, the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We thank you and we love you today. In Jesus' name, bless all those that have listened today. Bless their homes and bless their hearts, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. May the Lord bless you today. Uh, in Jesus' name. Bye-bye. See you soon.